Hello and welcome to the What Is Possible podcast series. I'm Nazreen Vizram, your host and Head of Charities at Barclays Corporate Banking. So this is a very timely opportunity to talk about today's topic. October is Black History Month here in the UK, which also provides us an opportunity to reflect on the progress that's being made across all aspects of diversity and inclusion and whether that progress is at risk as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. The pandemic continues to have an immeasurable impact on the economy and businesses from all sectors are facing disruption to revenue, operations, supply chains, liquidity and solvency. And in crisis mode, there is a real risk that diversity and inclusion, often referred to as DNI, may recede as a boardroom priority. And at the same time, the Black Lives Matter movement is keeping DNI centre stage, highlighting the need to close the racial and ethnic gaps that exist in society and in the workplace. And we have also seen the impact of well-being given the change in the working environment. Yet the pandemic has seen priorities shift. Research suggests a number of companies have put some of their DNI initiatives on hold. And while this is by no means a permanent step, it will certainly have a negative impact on the overall progress of their DNI agenda. Ironically, the companies that pull back on DNI right now may be placing themselves at a disadvantage, not only facing a backlash from their customers and employees, but also further down the line, fail to better position themselves for growth and renewal. Some of the qualities that characterise diverse and inclusive companies, such as greater innovation, agility and resilience, will be in far greater need as businesses set out to recover from this crisis. Our guests today are David Shinkins, Global Head of Cash Management Sales and Co-Chair of the Barclays Corporate Banking Diversity and Inclusion Council, and Zainab Kaur Swansea, Digital Project Manager and Co-Chair of the Barclays Black Professionals Forum. Welcome and thank you both for joining us. David Zainab, let's get started by getting your thoughts on this point. Is COVID-19 a major setback for DNI or is it an opportunity to evolve? Thanks, Naz. I think the answer is yes to both questions. Given the difficulties many businesses are currently facing and given that DNI initiatives are being put on hold, for some companies COVID-19 is, is an undeniable obstacle. To an extent, the crisis makes it easy for businesses to tell themselves that during these unprecedented times, diversity and inclusion is a luxury that can wait until the crisis is passed. The truth is, there's a lot under the DNI umbrella that is essential at moments like this. And business leaders need to understand that some of the immediate obstacles they face right now can be solved if they're addressing DNI challenges. I think progress is still being made, but diversity and inclusion is very much that, a work in progress and an ongoing commitment to transforming a business. And as David mentioned, it's very easy to view it as a luxury, but it's actually a necessity. So the fact that some DNI initiatives have been put on hold as a result of COVID-19 does risk an already slow moving process grinding to a halt. But I think there's another perspective about how the pandemic has changed the way we work. It's been a catalyst for a radical shift in remote working. And it could be a catalyst for greater diversity and inclusion in the workplace too, as we adapt to this new working environment. And as you mentioned, Naz, that Lives Matter movement has also added greater urgency to concerns over ongoing inequality, both in society and the workplace. And businesses and individuals alike are being challenged to provide evidence on what they are doing to champion diversity and inclusion. 
Thank you, David, and thank you, Zainab. Some really interesting perspectives there. And I think it goes back to the point that DNI should be part of a business's core strategy and not something at sort of at the side of the desk, um, and not just initiatives. It should be there in everything that we do. And therefore, it's not right sort of putting it on hold as such. But it's interesting to see how different businesses are responding during this crisis. So, does the pandemic require DNI to evolve? Um, no, as I, no, I completely agree with those points you just made. Um, I, I think that now, more than ever in particular, businesses do need to deliver both effective, informative, but also genuine messages to different groups. DNI, that's where the strength really comes from across those uh, key messages. We need to foster that sense of belonging, the connection, particularly in lockdown, uh, whether it's through messaging apps, telephone, teleconferencing, but also email. Um, but on any company, these DNI initiatives are more than equal and they have to be measured in exactly the same way. The challenge is, though, being really honest, that many business leaders think of DNI work as very narrow, being linked to a limited set of initiatives aimed at increasing perception. Now, that's the one challenge. DNI should be integrated into the business strategy. It should be integrated into all of the core messaging and not seen as a separate initiative. Agreed. And I also think that the impact of inequality has been magnified by COVID-19. Mental health challenges have been made worse by stress and anxiety. Um, you know, we're seeing that ethnic minorities are at greater risk of dying from COVID. And colleagues are going through all of this on top of their working day. And I think it's really up to the company to create a culture that recognises this and offers the support and sense of belonging that many employees need during this time. The stakes are higher now too. Companies that are unable to meet these challenges have more to lose than they did before the crisis. And if they aren't able to solve these people-focused challenges, these DNI challenges, then they just won't survive. Given the economic reality many companies are facing, they do need a DNI approach that's adaptable, efficient, and focused on solving the range of problems that employees are experiencing now. You raise a really interesting point there, Zainab, and I believe the effects of intersectionality are also felt in the working environment where individuals who belong to multiple underrepresented categories experience unique oppression or lack of opportunity. And it can be more difficult to notice these challenges in a digital environment, of course. So it's really incumbent on leaders to create an inclusive workplace. So just thinking about all the sort of challenges we're seeing because of COVID-19 um, and some of the real impacts of, of DNI and how that's changing in the workplace or being put in hold in some cases, what advice can you offer to any company that wants to get that model right? Should we start with you, David? Yeah, um, I think um, ensuring ultimately you're addressing the problems that your own business faces, not the ones that other companies face. I think what's really important is really understanding your business so getting that knowledge gathering stage um, prioritised is important. Collect all the information on what challenges that you're seeing, but also what the opportunities that are, are most important based on your workforce, what sector you're in, the employee base you have, and, and, and generally having to make sure it's customised and specialised for your business. Naturally, different employees are going to cope in different ways. Listening to individual stories, experiences of how different people from different backgrounds are living through coronavirus, now, it makes this crisis more real to your business and, and really more relevant both to you and also to your employees. I think that's really important, David, what you said, because then you can start to match problems to specialist support. And rather than treating DNI as a bundle of issues to address with a one size fits all company wide initiative, you can get granular and focused on solving specific challenges faced by different groups of people. I think the best strategies need to go beyond stating company diversity goals and get into the details of how they can actually be achieved. I think a lot of talking has been done this year, which is a good start, but now is a time for action. 
and these methods need to be flexible enough to allow for different ways of problem solving across teams and business units. For example, Spectrum Allies is one of our internal diversity networks where Barclays employees can create a visibly and vocally supportive network for LGBT colleagues and uh, communities by being an ally. You touched on a really um, interesting point there around allies and allyship. This is something that we've been doing a lot of at Barclays, really focusing on what an ally looks like and what a good ally does. And I read something really interesting the other day where it said an ally is one who challenges equality and builds equity. I mean, what do you both think around allyship and, and, and what actions can allies take? And what would you say is, is a good ally? David, what do you think? So, so look, in my mind, as um, an ally is someone who is there, who's supportive, um, who can listen, um, who can tell their own stories and experiences uh, based on the people they've spoken to. Being clearly empathetic, that's that's really important because certain people are going to be in a challenging situation. They may, may never have dealt with that situation before. So, so I think just really it comes back to being this point of just being a really good open listener, but actually um, role modelling those behaviours when they're talking to other colleagues and particularly for colleagues who lead teams and have uh, positions where they're able to showcase that across an organization really making sure that sort of style comes through and that and that obviously there's always that open door that's the critical thing for me it's it's about someone can just pick up a phone have a conversation just ask any question without uh, without being worried thank you david and saying that we've seen a lot around allyship in light of the black lives matter movement what's an example of a good ally in race and ethnicity space there's this saying that's been used quite a lot more recently with regards to fighting for racial equality, saying you know, it's not enough to not be racist, you have to be anti-racist. And I think what that really comes down to and to some of David's point is around being really proactive in trying to you know, champion change. I think specifically when it comes to race, it's about allies being comfortable having uncomfortable conversations and accepting that there's a lot that we might not get right but just being open and willing to learn is really important and, and to listen to the people who you are trying to support and then off the back of that thinking of ways that you can proactively support them and be anti-racist. Brilliant thanks Zainab and David you touched on a point around role models again you know, how significant are role models when it comes to sort of DNI initiatives or the DNI agenda in itself? Are they important in an organisation? Yeah, um, they are. And I think the, the point is role models to, can be anybody in an organisation. It doesn't matter whether it's time from the top, come from the board, the seniors, just anybody needs to be a role model to, to show what the behaviours are expected really, really of, of colleagues. But, but also, you know, role models can really help, particularly externally as well. So, you know, I think Colleagues need to see, be able to see people that they can relate to, they can see similar journeys that they've gone on, but also then that role model needs to make sure they're really talking about their stories and really showcasing that across the organisation so that people can connect with that. And coming back to your earlier point, that shows a really good tie into company culture and company dynamics, which which you know, as, as we all know in COVID is, is particularly more challenging to show given, given we're all you know, clearly working at home now. Thank you, David. And finally, I'm going to come to you, Zainab, because I know Black Professionals Forum have done a really amazing initiative around reverse mentoring. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I guess that's something that could be translated across all DNI agendas. Definitely. I wanted to touch on David's point around role models and the importance of people seeing different types of people in roles within a business or in senior roles. And I think it comes down to representation and how important it is to have a diverse talent pool from all levels of your business you know we talk about diversity of thought a lot and 
part of that is having people from completely different backgrounds and often we see that in more senior levels there's much less diversity and I think businesses should view that as actually a risk to them um, and something that they need to solve and so what we do within the Black Professionals Forum within Barclays is we've launched this reverse mentoring program this year and actually it's worked really well because it's completely virtual so a lot of colleagues have been able to access it and there's been kind of no barriers in, in that sense and um, senior leaders from across Barclays are being matched to more junior colleagues who are part of the Black Professionals network and being reverse mentored by, by that more junior colleague and the reason that we've launched this program is because it felt as though there was a gap where a lot of senior leaders weren't so aware of the experiences that black colleagues particularly face in the workplace and, and the kind of different challenges that, that they may come across. And like I said, an example of that could be the lack of representation and feeling like there's a glass ceiling because actually there's not a lot of black senior leaders within a particular business. And so this has really kind of helped bridge that gap for senior leaders and that the feedback so far has been really positive and both parties within reverse mentoring pair are, are getting a lot from the programme because for the reverse mentor, it's an opportunity for them to really share their experiences and actually advise on what they think could be done better in the business. And for the senior leaders, it's, it's a time for them to, again, listen to colleagues, which, you know, they're encouraged to do anyway and a lot of senior leaders do but then think about what more can they do to better support this group or actually challenge some of the systems in place so for an example Barclays have been trialing um, removing names from CVs to remove any potential bias there there are so many different initiatives like that businesses can explore and look at if, if they're able to just open up the conversation to kind of dig a bit deeper there Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, Zainab. And I think that kind of reverse mentoring programme can be translated across all DNI genders. I think we've seen it in the sort of gender piece as well, where women are reverse mentoring senior leaders in the business and, and yeah. sharing some of their own sort of barriers or some of the issues they face in the workplace. So that's great. And I think you've both given some really interesting advice and guidance that businesses can really implement quite easily. So you know, if DNI does lose momentum during the COVID-19 crisis, where will the cracks begin to show? I mean, David, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I think I think Naz, um, yeah, to be honest, as the crisis makes jobs more vulnerable, diverse talent may be most at risk. I guess without, without the right support, these sort of remote working environments may may start to erode inclusion. I think businesses really need to really focus on ensuring they foster inclusion and not, and not let it erode. Clearly also the, the point around staff going to work from home risks uh, reinforcing some of that exclusive um, behaviour um, and, and undermine some of that inclusive workplace culture. I think the I think the most important thing is maintaining clarity, trying not to enable teams to become confused in any way. Isolation, um, as we all know, lots of people are working from home on their own. Uh, this can lead to uncertainty about whom to talk to on specific issues, how to, and and also when to approach colleagues. Now, that's the most important. Thing. Leaders need to make sure that they still maintain that really connected engagement with all of their teams. Yeah, you know, I'll give you an example. You know. I've managed to speak to all of my teams um, on their own, not about work topics, just calling them to find out where they are, how they are, wherever they are in the world, just checking in that they're okay um, as we've gone throughout the crisis. Yeah, I, I echo everything that David just said. I think creating an inclusive environment is more important than ever at the moment. We know that when colleagues feel that they have to hide parts of themselves, it can take a real toll on motivation and engagement. And on top of things like isolation, it, you know, it's, you know, that sense of community is at a greater risk of being lost too, not to mention, um, yeah, the impact on an individual person's health. 
Thank you, David. And thank you, Zainab. Yeah, really interesting points there. And, you know, if DNI did lose momentum or starts to lose momentum, this the inclusion piece is really impacted. So if we think about that question more positively, then what role can DNI play in the recovery? David, what do you think? So the most important thing, I guess, for leaders and organisations need enhanced problem-solving skills. Uh, this concept of strategic agility, the ability to spot and seize game changers, is now mission critical. People are going to make a difference. Those strengths are far more likely to be stronger in a company that can draw on that uh, spectrum of diverse talents, uh, which can be available to them. They'll be in a better position, ultimately, to create more adaptive, effective teams, and also more likely to recognise diversity as a competitive advantage. If other companies don't um, harness the diversity, I think they may start the struggle. And I, and I think they'll probably start to see those cracks, particularly um, as, as COVID continues. And the war for talent isn't going away either. Companies can ensure that they hold on to their top talent by monitoring the demographic profile of their change in workforce and ensuring that diverse talent isn't lost and also prioritising recruiting um, diverse talent too. But, but I guess the, the other thing we should remember is the shift to remote working can uh, also offer advantages. It may have some downsides, but as we, as we mentioned earlier on, its benefits, particularly flexibility for colleagues, may also play a more significant role than we probably anticipated. And this sort of wholesale shift to remote working, it opens up the workforce to a whole array of different types of talent that may not have been available to companies previously. You know, we've got working parents and couples in dual careers and also single parents who are all better suited to a more flexible flexible workplace and, and remote working uh, can therefore harness that. Yeah, diverse teams are also stronger at anticipating shifts in consumer needs and consumption patterns uh, that make new products and services possible, potentially generating a competitive edge. Companies that maintain or even increase their focus on DNI right now are also likely to avoid the risk of being penalised in its aftermath, uh, for example, by losing customers, struggling to attract talent and losing government support and partnerships. And all of that has a bottom line impact. Exactly. And I think one thing we, we probably haven't highlighted at the outset, there's a real commercial advantage in in having a diverse population within the workplace. And that's been evidenced in so many companies who performed as well as different reports that we've seen around diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And also you've got, you know, the gender pay gap and then the ethnicity pay gap, which is really taking companies to account in, in thinking about their diverse population. So, Thank you, David, and thank you, Zainab. I thought that was a really interesting conversation and we've covered so many different topics to sort of allyship, role models, the impact of COVID-19, why DNI should be at the core strategy of any business model and how it is actually a tool to recovering from this crisis. And I think what's most exciting about today's discussion and we've just had is how it's redefined what DNI means in today's context. DNI can be the means by which your company not only survives this crisis, but comes out on the other side of it stronger. So thank you all for joining us. If there are any areas that we discussed today that you'd like more information on, please contact your relationship director in the first instance or visit our website for more insight. Mm -hmm.